0: Hello and welcome to the Friendship News Hour's very first interview with author Carol Delaney discussing her book, Columbus and the Quest of Jerusalem.
1: Al. Yes, Frank. What do you know about Columbus? Well, I know in 1492 he sailed the ocean blue mm. and um, discovered the landmass that. Um, we now know as north and south america as i understand it
0: yeah i think that's about what i understood too and i think that's what uh most of us as kids were taught at least you know from my generation millennial and 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 before that uh admittedly i didn't know much about the guy other than what was told to us in, in school
1: by any chance were you taught that he landed at like plymouth rock and that was he came to america
0: no, I understood Plymouth Rock to be uh, the, the the colonists.
1: Gotcha. Okay. I, I don't know why in my memory, like, that's, that's what I always remembered, and then, like, the first Thanksgiving and all that stuff, but that's probably completely wrong. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think, right, like, just the gist of, of
0: what it was, you know, columbus founded america right was is the message that we all took away from who he was and why there are there's a hot federal holiday around him why there's statues of him why there's places called columbus the capital of ohio is named columbus um and then in, in recent years this man christopher columbus has had uh, more way more of a tarnished reputation um I started noticing this kind of in college a little bit. And then more so after I got out of college, I started hearing these rumblings about Christopher Columbus being this genocidal maniac and a warmonger and, uh, came to the Americas to rape, pillage, loot, take slaves back home and um, was the cause of genocide for the indigenous people in the lands that he found, right? More or less, that was the message that I was hearing. And I thought, oh shoot, you know, maybe I had him all wrong, right? Maybe we all had him all wrong. Maybe we were just taught a whitewashed history of this guy, it grew a life of its own and it became a federal holiday and this big deal. And we stopped questioning why we do these things. And maybe we had them wrong, right? A little bit further research brings me to a book called The People's History of America by Howard Zinn. And in this book, Howard Zinn, the author, brings up a bunch of quotes from Christopher Columbus's writings. And um, if I'm taking the quote, and this is from his book now, and, and I'll explain why that's important in a minute, right? Um, this is Christopher Columbus his words from Howard Zinn's book, people's history of the United States. They have no iron. Their spears are made of cane. They would make fine servants with 50 men. We could subjugate them all and make them do whatever we want. Um, And then there was one more quote that was really egregious. Right. But the, what's important here is that these quotes have ellipses between them. Right. And he basically cut these quotes, and he took a quote from this paragraph, put in the ellipses, right, three dots. Went to another paragraph, put that together, ellipses, and he made like an entire paragraph out of different sentences from Christopher Columbus's writings. Sounds like modern journalism. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not—I don't know if he's a journalist. He's an author, and he put it in this book, and this book. Caught on fire. It was a very trendy book in um, in like the '90s. It was even mentioned in uh, *Goodwill Hunting* uh, during one of the scenes, and it was this big trendy book, and, and and it it was sort of like the precursor to being woke, right? Like like oh, we got all this wrong. We were asleep at the wheel about Christopher Columbus or about this about America and this about America. And this book basically wrote this history of America as us being this big, giant, you know, uh, machine of sins, if you will, this big, huge cancer on the world. And our history was whitewashed. And we were made to believe falsely that America was this great place. And, you know, taking examples from Christopher Columbus and all portions of our history, we were not the people we were brought up to believe that we were right. Well, we're not here to talk about this book in particular and if you're interested there is an entire book that debunks a people's history of america so take a look at it if you're interested but focusing here specifically on christopher columbus um we uh, i made a statement on our podcast uh a month and a half ago or so and uh, it was about Christopher Columbus. I said, hey, I think we have Christopher Columbus all wrong again, right? Like maybe he wasn't the person that we th- were to believe as children, but maybe he's not the person that we're saying that he is now. And the reasons that we're defacing Christopher Columbus statues and we're trying to get rid of Columbus Day and make an Indigenous Peoples Day and all this, maybe all of that is a little bit misinformed. Um And I didn't really give any context to what I said, and then somebody who is like, but not necessarily my girlfriend said, you can't just make those statements and not bring any context about it. I I didn't like that because I feel like, well, you know, why is it that, that this is the commonplace theory of who Christopher Columbus was, but it was a very good point indeed, because it is what we think of Christopher Columbus as a whole and there is a movement to eradicate this person from our history or or, or at least to paint him in a much more negative light than we previously had and um, I was aware of of this book by Carol Delaney the interview that we're uh, introducing right now and um, I knew that she had read all of Christopher Columbus's work his diaries and um, his words and all the things that he talked about doing um, while he was on his uh, adventures. And in her book, Using Christopher Columbus's Words, um, she paints a much different picture of the guy. And I was interested in that. And I know you were interested in that, Al, learning a little bit more. So we we um, sent an email to Carol and she responded uh, in kind very quickly. And she agreed to come on here and talk about her book, And maybe provide a different view of this person and maybe perhaps make us think a little bit differently about how we treat characters of history. Um, So, that's that and this will be our interview here with uh, Carol Delaney. So now we are joined by Carol Delaney, Dr. Carol Delaney. Uh, Carol Delaney is an anthropologist by trade, uh, receiving her PhD in cultural anthropology from the University of Chicago. She is the author of six books. And today we're here to talk about one in particular, and that is Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem. Carol, thank you for joining us. How are you today?
2: I'm fine. Thank you very much.
0: Great. Um, so. In the beginning of your book, Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem, you start by saying that there's two groups of people. When think when you think about Christopher Columbus, those who think of him as a saint and those who think of him as a sinner. Uh, before we get into your book and your writings on Christopher Columbus, I wanted to ask you, um, in your in your opinion. Why, why do you think that some think of Christopher Columbus as a sinner?
2: You know, I'm not sure. I, I forgot that I said that in the beginning of my book, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, maybe because they think that he came across and did horrible things to the Native people, which is totally untrue. And I was going to talk about that in, when I get to it.
0: Well, let's get started there. Um, in, your, in your book, you paint a picture of Christopher Columbus um, as more of a... Uh, Crusader. So get into a a little bit about how you found Christopher Columbus. How did you see him and his ventures?
2: Well, first of all, I hardly knew anything about Columbus when I started this and I came across some, um, reference to him and about his millennial beliefs. And I don't know if we want to go there yet, but that's what, what started me on it. And I got curious about that. Um, Because most of the time, most people think little about him except that in 1492, across crossed the ocean blue. And that's about all I knew too, until um, I was teaching a class at Stanford in, what was it, 1999. It was called Millennial Fever. And I came across one little footnote about Columbus's millennial beliefs. And I thought, what? I never heard of those. And so that's what started the whole project.
0: What were his millennial beliefs?
2: Well, he thought the world was going to end um, at the turn of the millennium. Oh, um, wow. So what had to happen before that was that Jerusalem had to be back in Christian hands so that Christ could come and save all the believers.
0: So so at this time, Jerusalem is under uh, Muslim rule. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Okay. So his, his motivations at this time were, were religious. He, he oh, was totally
2: religious. Yes. Wow. Okay. He was a very religious person and people don't know that either.
0: And how, how, how do we know this about Christopher Columbus?
2: About his um, desire about how to, how to cross everything. Correct. Yes. He's written a lot. People don't know that. There's a wonderful diary. It's translated into English. Um, And that's the diary of the first voyage, but he also talks about a lot of this stuff. There are also quite a few letters and memos that still exist. And um, he, like a lot of people at that time, were really afraid of the turning about the millennium. And as I said, he figured out how many years were left. And so he had this mission.
0: The mission that ultimately led him to the New World.
2: Yes. And he had to go across the Atlantic because the Pope had given the other route to the Portuguese, meaning going um, east. So Columbus couldn't go that way because the Pope, why he thought he could do that, I don't know. He thought, but he gave it to the Portuguese. So Columbus could not go that way. And that's why he thought of going west. And he thought he was going to China.
1: Now, Carol, when when I was kind of looking through this, I, I saw that he, before he had left, um, And this is just in my research. I'm sure you've done a lot more. So I'd like to hear kind of what you think on this. But before he had left, he had signed a contract with the monarchs uh, in the area called the Capitulations of Santa Fe. And uh, part of this contract is that it named Columbus as the admiral, viceroy, and governor of any land that he discovered. And it also stated that he could keep 10% of any merchandise, whether it be pearls, precious stones, gold, silver, spices, Um, That he acquired within this new territory. Do you find this to be true? I guess would be my first question And if this is the case does that show that he might not have just had noble intentions in mind and It was somewhat of like a conquering selfish kind of mission as well. It could could it be both?
2: It wasn't really both. I mean he thought like Marco Polo. He could go there set up a trading post and It was through the trade that he thought then he could earn the money Sure. Okay. But, and Marco Polo had gone to China, set up a trading post, and Columbus didn't go that way, as I said, because that route was closed to him. So he thought he'd go the other way, set up a trading post. It's in his writing. Set up a trading post, and the profits were to be used, and it's in his writings for the conquest of Jerusalem, not, okay. not for his personal gain.
0: Sure. So, so, so he gets to the Americas, and then does he quickly realize that he's not where he wants to be?
2: I don't know that he ever realized that. (laughs) (laughs) I think he always, because even when he landed in Hispaniola, occasionally, I mean, he kept going on looking for China. So it wasn't that he just stopped there. I mean, he did come back there, but he kept going and he even went as far as, um, you know, where the land crosses to South America. And then he came back along South America, but I don't think he ever realized that he was in a very different new place.
1: Did he think he was in India? He knew he was in in China, right? He
2: knew he he was not yet in China, but I don't know where he thought he
1: was. Okay, because I I thought that I had heard before that's where Indians came from. Like that's how he referenced the natives that he found there, who I I believe that could were be. from the tribe of I, I think it's the Tanyo, I think that's how you say it, the Taino. Taino. Okay.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: In, in this book, Carol, you uh, reference uh, Columbus's efforts to convert the natives to Christianity. Was that part of his mission when he got there as well?
2: Oh, absolutely. And it's in his writings. He, As I said before, he thought the end of the world was soon to come and he wanted everyone to be saved. And the only way they could be saved was to be converted to Christianity. Uh-huh. At that time, that was the only way.
1: Was he forcing any of these conversions, or was it just like here is this is kind of what I believe? Like this no. is your option. And yeah. he kept
2: he kept asking the Spanish sovereigns to send over more priests so mm. that they would learn about what it was all about and convert willingly. No, he never he never forced anything.
0: And and you say that even uh, those were even his intentions were with the quote unquote uh, slaves that he took back with him to Europe.
2: No, wait a minute. Okay, when he first, on the first voyage, when he arrived on this side, the Santa Maria went aground. Okay. So he had to leave 39 men there while he went to get a rescue ship. And he took six natives with him. None of them were enslaved. People seem to think that. None Mm. of them, none of the six were enslaved. They were introduced to the crown Two decided to stay with the Crown, and one of them returned with him. I think one of them returned with him. And when he left, the 39 men that he had to leave behind because he went to get a rescue ship, he gives, gave uh, strict orders not to go marauding, not to go raping, not do all these horrible things. So he gets back there with you know, the other ships, and of course they had done all those horrible things, and he was absolutely furious.
0: Really? Uh. Interesting. So help me out here, Carol. I'm trying to figure out how I can marry the two ideas here of Columbus, the genocidal, colonial, uh, barbaric, uh, we should never have a national holiday and we should disgrace his name uh, with this character that you present of a you know, a a religious minded crusader who is attempting to take back Jerusalem for the Christians. Where, I mean, is there any overlap there or is that first idea just completely false? The
2: first idea is completely false. And I think it's because few people know anything about Columbus except in 1492, he sailed the ocean blue and discovered in quotes, America. Mm -hmm. They really don't know because there hasn't been a lot lot of material. I mean, his diary exists, but people don't read that. And there's not been a whole lot about him, but he was very um, cordial and whatever to the the natives. And he took six back with him, and I told you that none of them were enslaved. Right. Two decided to remain there at court. One became Columbus's godson and traveled with him on his other voyages. Wow. But as I said, when he returned back, he discovered that the horrible men had done all these horrible things, and they had been killed.
0: So, so it was his men, but it wasn't Christopher Columbus setting an order or oh, no, telling them to do not. that, or even a, they
2: had disobeyed his orders. Sure, no. <laughs> sure, yeah, and that—that
0: yeah. that is yeah. in his diary. That I mean, he wrote about this, correct? Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, I'm just curious because, like, I, as I w- was doing some more research, I saw that in 1499, uh, the Spanish monarchs—they had gotten wind of of mistreatment. Uh, of Spanish colonists uh, that had lived right there in Hispaniola. And uh, that included, like, the flogging, executions without trial. And he, he was the governor of this territory, was arrested, chained up, and forced to go back to Spain. Why did why did this happen if, if he was, like, a man of virtue? Like, how, how did this come to be?
2: Well, in part because he's one man among several hundred. And he mm-hmm. was unable to control all of them. And I have written about all of that in my book. And I should have reread my book to has the information <laughs> right at my fingertips. But he was very much um, very disturbed by what had happened and what, what he saw when he got back there. You know, okay. we're,
0: we're uh, right now we're currently reading and, and reviewing a, a book called Sapiens. I'm not sure if you've uh, read it. What is it called? Sapiens. Okay. They make the case uh, about the uh, sort of discovery of new lands by humans and, and how that just by proxy of us landing on a new land had introduced new bacteria, new illnesses that, you know, helped wipe out populations of animals and things like that. Do you think that we accredit a lot of the tragedy brought upon the early indigenous people who met with the first European settlers? Do you think you can attribute a lot of that to just new people introduced to new lands who have never been exposed to each other? Um, Or is there something more egregious?
2: Well, I think that's very possible. And some of those diseases transmitted by the natives to the Europeans probably made them ill and sick and die too. I just don't have the, I don't have the numbers.
0: Yeah, of course. Um, And then just talking about uh, slavery again. There was no slave trade um, ambitions. Really what I'm trying to do is just go down the list of things that right. I have heard and understand about the, the the way that people talk about Christopher Columbus. One of them being that there was a big slave trade and fueled by profit. Sure. Th- these, these things were fueled by profits.
1: And in his diaries, he even wrote, they were very well built Uh, speaking about the Tyanos. They are very well built with handsome bodies and very good faces. They do not carry arms or know them. They should be good servants.
2: Servants are not slaves. Mm. Okay. And he had no intention of enslaving anybody. That happened with the horrible people that were sent over with 17 ships by Mm. Isabella after the first voyage.
1: Interesting. And it was those
2: men who did all the horrible things.
1: Ah. As I, th- I
2: think I told you, he took six natives back. None right. of them were enslaved. And one became his godson and interpreter.
0: Wow. So I'm thinking of if we just, you know, kind of make Christopher Columbus guilty by association for these atrocities that had happened. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not uh, personally, you know, clearing the name of Christopher Columbus or or, or anything like that doesn 't mean a whole lot to me, but I just I do think it 's very interesting um, how a large majority of our population, particularly my generation and the youth, can latch on to an idea about somebody like Christopher Columbus, and that idea can spread like wildfire right. and you know you 're here with us right now giving us facts from christopher columbus 's own words that like, directly counter. Um, that idea and, and, and that phenomenon to me is just so interesting. Um, is, do you see that anywhere else in your works as an anthropologist, uh, is Christopher Columbus, like the most glaring example of that, or, or are there any other misnomers out there that, that you've come across?
2: I'm not sure about that, but one of the things I think that has to happen is how school books need to know the truth about this. And they need to be changed because I think a lot of the school book books are, you know, blaming him for things that happened
0: yeah certainly and
2: i need i probably need to read some of them uh but i think that's pretty much what has happened and um they don't really because a lot of his work even though it's all out there a lot of it's been translated into english but people don't read it
0: yeah yeah and definitely
2: so they just think oh you know he, in quotes, discovered the new world and then enslaved all these people. That's what they assume, but it's totally wrong.
0: God, that's so interesting.
2: In fact, um, other people don't know, when he found that all these men that he'd brought over had done these horrible things, when he returned, he became a Franciscan monk.
1: Oh, wow. He'd wow. always
2: been very close to the Franciscans, had stayed with him at various places when he was in Spain. And when he went back, he became a lay Franciscan monk. And it said that he wrote, wore their robes for the rest of his life. Wow. Golly. Nobody knows that about him
0: either. Yeah, <laughs> I right. certainly
1: didn't. I, do you think it's interesting that we have um, an American holiday uh, named after him when, I mean, there's, there's debate on if Leif Erickson uh, was actually the first European to have found it about 500 years before Columbus or Amerigo Vespucci. Do you think that, you know, with the transfer now that it's kind of it's kind of Columbus Day, it's kind of indigenous people's day? They're trying to maybe move away from the idea that like Columbus was who maybe found America, but like led the way to its founding or or that travel. Like I I guess. Do you think like they're trying to move away from that name permanently?
2: I think they are. I'm not sure that I like that. I mean, yes, he never set foot on. What we call American soil. Mm. he arrived in Hispaniola, sailed around the Caribbean a lot. He might have stepped on South America, but I don't think so personally sure. uh, because he's always on the ship. Um, but he certainly discovered the route here. Mm. I mean, that's really what he should be known for. first person to ever dream of crossing the Atlantic.
0: yeah, interesting or
2: maybe maybe somebody else dreamed of it, but they never tried it. And did he did it, right, and right. succeeded.
0: So so maybe uh, his legacy then, as we know it, as the, the founder of America, uh, is a little skewed. But, but certainly his importance for the founding of America, yeah. I mean, that can't be understated.
2: Right. I, I totally agree. And I am in favor of having, re- retaining Columbus Day. And I think we should have a different day for an indigenous people's day.
0: Yeah, it seems yeah. like there's almost no correlation there no. Um, that we should celebrate both separately.
2: I think that would be the best thing possible. He was friendly with the natives, he learned their language. He could speak to them in their own language, which was amazing, I thought.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: And but he remained friends with Guacanagari, who was the chief of Hispaniola at that point. Um, and they remained friends throughout.
0: Interesting. What a fresh perspective on something that it sounds like we don't know nearly enough about. So um, really, really appreciate your time today, Carol, and bringing this information to us. Um, Maybe we'll have you back uh, closer to Columbus Day and, and revisit this subject.
2: Thank you. And I hope people might take a look at my book, Columbus and the Quest for Jerusalem.
0: Yeah, uh, you can find uh, her book, Columbus and the Quest of Jerusalem, uh, at any uh, major bookseller. It is on Amazon. It's
2: in paperback, too.
0: (laughs) Yes, paperback as well. Um, And I recommend checking it out to understand deeper this perspective of Columbus and maybe get an idea of really who the man was through his own words. So, uh, Carol Delaney, thank you again very much for your time today.
1: Thank you very much. That was great. What'd you think? You have a good time with that interview?
0: Oh yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I wish there was a slightly a bit more context. Um, we'll forgive Carol. She is probably retired and, um, had no reason to jump on here in the first place, but she did. And, and we're super grateful for her time. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, I think we would need to read the book and actually get, um, the full breadth of his words and and from his diary and things like that. But I I love, uh, the idea of, you know, Christopher Columbus being, um, you know, this religious zealot who was on a mission to take Jerusalem back for the Christians. Um, and and maybe not this evil man of history as, as he's he's portrayed. What did you think?
1: I I thought she taught me a lot of stuff that, that I didn't know. And I'm, I'm sure I would have learned. I definitely want to read the book and check it out. Um, yeah, I, I did still think, though, like some things she said, slaves are not servants, but it didn't really seem, at least from how she, when she described um, him, him basically saying like, they don't know anything about guns. We can use guns to basically like make them our servants. That that doesn't sound like a, something that like they wanted to do. It just kind of, it sounds like there was a conquering mentality there to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like I, I don't want to accuse the man Christopher Columbus for the sins of others, but he also led to a ton of devastation. Whether he, those were his intentions or not, it happened because of him and because of the people he was working for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think she did allude to that, right? Like, yeah. Like maybe it wasn't Christopher Columbus directly, but it was a consequence of his Journey to this part of the uh, of the world.
1: Yeah, and 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 she. I asked when she was uh, when he was governor why he was removed for uh, executions without without any kind of cause and, and all these other things. And she basically said like he's not guilty for the crimes of others, but like I, as the governor, like that that's what you're there to do is to govern these people. And like you clearly weren't, and you were breaking some laws and, and got imprisoned and brought back to Spain. So I I don't I, I don't totally think he's the saint. Uh, as he was pictured or like using religion to justify a lot of that shit like that's like some handmaid's tale to me um, Like I, I I, can't get behind using religion regardless of the times to like justify uh, evil in, in any form, but you know, I, I guess To me she definitely taught me that it, from his words It sounds like his intentions were true, but I, I don't necessarily know if like the results of those intentions uh, were as pure as they may be made to seem, I guess. Yeah,
0: and and I think it's, uh, you know, and this can be really applied to a whole lot of different things uh, when we're talking about his- historical events, but um, it's a fool's errand to try and place ourselves in, you know, the fort- late 1400s, early 1500s, to even try and like begin to understand what that might've been like, right? That's why we have anthropologists like Carol Delaney who, mm-hmm. who are, you know, by, by trade um, tasked with that impossible mission. And it, it's difficult to read and hear and see the things that we see today um, back then. Um, but, you know, up until just, 20 years ago, I think we talked about this a few weeks back that, you know, and maybe we didn't, but um, there was a poll that that was uh, brought out this year, and it uh, it showed that church membership uh, in America was more or less at like 80% throughout the entire 20th century up until the turn of... Uh, the millennia, and then it dropped to under 50 in the past 20 years, you know, just kind of like that. Um, point being, I think that religion took on a much greater part of people's lives. And, and it's apparent here because in this, I don't know that is is debatable and we could debate it, but it seems as though his mission was purely um, to bring glory back to the Catholic church by taking Jerusalem back and his writings uh, further drive that point home that he was there to, that he was there to convert, that he was there to, um, you know, show what, what were her words that maybe it wasn't her words, but, but to, to show the natives like love and, 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 and kindness in an effort to convert them to the faith rather than, you know, forcing them to, to do
1: that by, you know, by force or, you know, under a gun or a sword or what have you. And Carol said that, yeah, what I just thought was like super interesting is like when I was researching before she came on, I'm going through Time's website, I'm going through the History Channel's website, all these different sources, you know, that I, I would come to trust and like most of them still painted not maybe like as bad of a uh, image as you see in like liberal media or anything like that but like mm-hmm. still painted a picture of like someone who I, I like i asked her in the interview like he signed an agreement with Spain saying that like he could keep a certain amount of anything that he found riches wise gold like anything like that um it, it, he would be you know g- governing parts of the land as his own like it's and like other things like on the History Channel show that he had for he did forced conversions and a lot of stuff that she said wasn't true. But at the same time, it's like, well, I got to think that there's some truth in the middle there, because maybe he I mean, you can write as glorified of a, a version as you want of yourself in your own personal diary. You know, like I could write tons of things that say, you know, I'm. I'm ch- like I'm doing everything I can to make this world today in 2021 the b- the best place in the world. You know, I'm I'm donating to all these charities. I'm recycling. I'm doing this and this and this. And then turn around and be a complete asshole, like just because it's hit, taken directly from his words, to me doesn't necessarily mean that's what happened. Like it's, it's a good source, but you could definitely paint a way prettier picture of like yourself and what you're doing, especially when you're saying it's in the name of religion and God. Yeah, I I, I, mean, I hear that for
0: sure and because it was so long ago, that's probably the only like reputable source that you could provide, given that there wasn't anybody as reputable disputing that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like he's saying, you know, Hey, we're here for the glory of God. And, then somebody back in Portugal was like, Hey, I knew Columbus. He's full of shit. You know, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, like this right, guy's right. not
0: who he says he is. Come on. Um, but interesting ideas, man, really, for truly, sure. uh, 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 a fantastic, uh, conversation. I'm, I'm very, like, again, many thanks to Carol for coming on and spending some time with us and, and kind of providing this alternate view of, of, of who this man was and, you know, whether it changes your mind or not, I don't know that that's the point here. I think the point is to present, ideas and, and to, you know, maybe challenge the status quo and, um, maybe, you know, challenge some, some long held beliefs that we had and, and, uh, and, and see perhaps, you know, maybe the opposite is true. Um, not, not for us to say, but, but certainly, uh, very fun and thought provoking conversation.
1: Yeah. And I think the biggest thing I took away is like, look at things with an open mind and not just like necessarily what the media or like certain certain momentum is is going this these days you know like maybe read into it a little bit more and it's it's not necessarily as bad as it, it can be made to be seen um and you know tear a a person's complete legacy down because of the actions of others or you know not not knowing the whole story I guess
0: yeah right i mean you know i i think it, i think columbus was the first i could be wrong about this but in my mind in in my view of you know, very recent history here in in America, he was like the first person that we started um, lambasting for their perceived sins in a way that we are trying to erase this person or directly change the the told history of this person as we knew it and take down statues and just completely throw this person's name through the mud. And I think on the surface, it's like, well, what do I care about Christopher Columbus? Right. Like maybe he didn't find America or maybe he was this person that was, uh, you know, just here for uh, to to take advantage of people that he could swindle. Right. Like maybe that's true. What do I care if this is if you feel that strongly about him? Why should I care what you're doing, but I think we've seen a, a slow progression to other aspects of our history um, being torn down and 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 really, you know, mud thrown in the face, if you will, for for lack of a better expression, um, of of many historical figures. And I think that trend is also a little bit kind of unnerving, um, because. I think that you could look at any situation at any point in history. And if you're applying your current moral code, given everything that we know and all of the cameras that we have now and that we can see everybody's actions, if you're applying that code to history, you're going to find things to be upset about everywhere. I don't know that there's any part of history um, that is not without uh, some sort of sin or some sort of, uh, you know, Terrible moral judgment, um, and I and I don't know that it's worth throwing the baby out with the bathwater for. And, um, and like I said, you know, Columbus, really, truly, who cares? But when it becomes a, an, an issue like we're seeing now, it's like, well, hold on, you know, maybe there's other truth here that we should be looking at, and maybe our actions towards history and tearing it down
1: possibly are more detrimental than they are positive. I think instead of trying to like tear it down, it's more learn to learn from it. Like he was, he was setting out to, and I, I don't mean to put religion down by saying this, but like he was setting out to convert people, do whatever there, you know, there was countless battles for Jerusalem through the years in the name of religion. And it's, it's just like, these are, these are lives lost. These, this is chaos. This is so many things based around not very provable things. I, so t- To me, it's it's like maybe we can learn from that and maybe that's why you're seeing this huge dip that you just said where it drops from 80 to 50% of people being religious. Um, maybe people are, are starting to look at this and, and see some of these things that are justified by faith or in the name of God. Maybe it isn't all it's cracked up to be or, or as <laughs> worth it.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and what a, you know, what an awful present day argument for you know, presenting a a different view of Christopher Columbus like, wait, wait, hold on guys. He was religious. (laughs) (laughs) And what's your point? Um, you know, maybe you don't see any nobility in that. And I understand that, you know, um, I, I think that for large swaths of history up until very recently, you know, that was the prevailing, um, center of folks, right. Was their religion, was their connection to a higher power, um, so much so that their, you know, canonical story, whatever it was that their their story of their prophet or or of their savior or of their book or of their, you know, teachings was so near and dear to their heart that they decided it was a good idea to cross the Atlantic to try and go to India and take Jerusalem back for the name of 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 the catholic church and 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 we know history tells us that there were wars fought over this kind of thing so it truly is not the best argument for like hey you know different view of columbus he wasn't terrible he was just a religious
1: zealot you know yeah um so i hear you on that for sure here's another one kind of in the same vein like as far as learning from, but not destroying the history. Like, what do you think about the people that say that like these, our presidents our past us presidents, founding fathers should be stripped, you know, from Mount Rushmore and off of our money and all, all these other things. Like, how how do you feel about that?
0: Yeah. Well, and I think that was what I was alluding to earlier, right? Like there's a a slow progression towards the, the tearing down of, of these figures of our history uh, because of, you know, one view of their, you know, uh, ultimate sin, right? In the, in, the, in the name of our founding fathers, it was because they owned slaves, right? And uh, they signed a document for freedom, yet there were slaves, and that juxtaposition um, is tough for a lot of people to swallow. I say that, and I've, I, I, I've always maintained this, and I would welcome anybody to try and take this from me because I hold this as, clo- as close and as dear to me as, as just about anything, that the, the principles work the principles of America, they work. And we see that today because they've worked. And um, I think if you focus on that, then it's a lot easier to, to, to look at historical figures of history and say, the work that you did, although it was hypocritical at the time, doesn't take away from your legacy because your legacy is what we have today. And pretty damn good so i I think i think there's a much more underlying insidious um characteristic of tearing down history that is rooted in um you know get like super political here but it's rooted in 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 marxism and we we know that because we saw it happen in china i mean they you know during the great leap forward they tore down all of their history, like their culture, was erased in China, and it became the Communist Party, uh, the the Chinese Communist Party. Um, I, I'm I'm not a fan of us erasing our history because you can't change it, and by trying to tear it down and throw it away, what you're doing is you're margin, like you're you're first of all you're putting a divide for people who don't agree with that, uh, and and secondly you're. Throw, like throwing the baby out with the bathwater you're saying that their entire legacy their whole um, their whole legacy is tainted and not worth celebrating because of their sins and I say look in the mirror I,
1: I agree with you to a point there I, I, I think like you're saying those fundamental those things that make up America they work like that's that's for sure true and although hypocritical like the things that those men did for us allow us to all now live in a free country. Um, I I think it's really important to not whitewash the history and like the facts about those people. Also like the negative things, not Mm -hmm. just concentrate on like these were our founding fathers and we wouldn't be here today without them. Very true. They were also like normal ass people that lived at a time when slavery was, was, you know, normalized. Yada, yada. I, I do think it's important going forward though, that like we incorporate into our money and more things like other figures that aren't just white people. And they they started doing it, like, Sacagawea, I think, is on the, sure. on the golden dollar. But it's, like, it's kind of fucked up that the president that fought for black people has a the penny, which is, like, our lowest currency. <laughs> that's a, little, that's a yeah. little fucking weird. A little Yeah, bit. but he
0: he also has a giant monument in our nation's capitalism. Like, come on.
1: He does. He does. The thing, though, that I 100% support, though, is, uh, and I'm curious what you think about this, is, like, the tearing down of, like, the Confederate generals and the monuments in the South. Because those were men that like stood up, defended and went to war and led a war in the, in the hopes of preserving slavery and their way of life. And and I, I, I don't, I think these monuments today are almost like a beacons of, of racism or or like places that, that races can go and like celebrate that Mm -hmm. Confederate history. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's not America. That's like, if, if Nazi Germany had statues all around Germany, and, and people went and would go and see, the. it's our history, though. Like, we're going to, you know, this yeah. is Adolf's statue. It's the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't, and, and maybe because it's just not my personal history, but, you know, when I see that, I, I, I'm willing to listen to an argument about, like, hey, culturally, we're trying to separate this from its incredibly racist roots. And my, my message says it's impossible. And so... It's it's impossible to not it's impossible to have a like a statue of a Confederate soldier or figurehead from the Civil War in the in the Confederacy and have it not be racist. I I don't know if this is true. I would like to think that the reason that these statues exist and even you know in places that aren't the South was because these were our countrymen and because we fought with our fellow citizens. And so as a sign of good faith, we're going to celebrate everybody because whatever, you know, and, and this could be just a naive view. Um, but if the, if the current day's view of that is like, wait a second, we have Confederate statues. I remember the first time I saw I was a kid. I remember the first time I saw a Confederate flag. I was jarred. I was like, wait, is that a Confederate flag? Is that when, isn't that what they had in the South during the civil war? I couldn't believe it. All right. And, um, because I wasn't exposed to the South, I, I couldn't understand why somebody would do that knowing that it's has a, a history of, you know, our worst, our, you know, our, our worst era of, of our country as far as treating other humans goes. Um, so yeah, man, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not against it. I, 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 don't think that there's anybody that, with a with a reasonable head on their shoulders, couldn't see that it's always a racist image. It's always a, it's it's always something that if you were a black person to go and see a Confederate soldier cast in in bronze, sitting high above a pedestal. On a statue in a memorial park with nice roses around it. And you're thinking, what
1: the fuck? With a bunch of people with Confederate flags on their shirts mm-hmm. standing around it. Yeah,
0: like, right. Exactly. Exactly. How could you not feel that is a personal attack at you?
1: That's what I mean. Like, how are you supposed to feel like this is your country if that's the case? And and in Germany, it's illegal to fly the Nazi flag. So it's like if a Jew was in Germany and went to a park and there was a, a statue of Hitler or Himmler or any of these people, people wearing mm-hmm. Nazi flag shirts and all this other shit. Like... Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly I think it should be illegal in our country I think the way that Germany handled that is the way to do it because it's like you can't ignore it as part of your history but you have to like get rid of it to try to move forward from it like as far as as like sex of people that still stand behind it and that's still very much alive here today in America
0: yeah I mean shoot it was in um, I'm pretty sure it was like in the logo of like Ole Miss really it's like right there up until a couple of years ago. Um, oh. And they were the rebels. And, you know, it's like it's like it's as deeply ingrained in our history as just about anything. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, f- from a perspective of a, of a non-black person who grew up in Southern California, as far away from the <laughs> yeah. South as you could probably get or as far away as that whole thing as you could probably get. You know, I can sit here and take an objective view on it, but yeah, I gotta see it's their history. You know, I, I would understand why you even if you didn't want this to be about race or about wanting to keep slaves or about any of the terrible things that it represents. But you did want it to be like, hey, you know, my ancestors were asshole, but also this is Dixieland. This is where they come from. This is where I come from. This symbol represented more than just slaves but on the other hand, you guys lost the war and that flag was flown when you were fighting this, the North. So, you know, it's like you, you kind of have to give a little. And that's why I said, if you're any reasonable person, especially if, if you're a supporter of the South and you have that history ingrained in you and you enjoy that history, um, good and bad, right? Like you have, that, you have that right. But if you're a reasonable person, then you know that you have to swallow your pride a little bit and understand that that is not something that is to the benefit of your fellow brother or sister. Um, And in fact, it's, it's probably way more of a big slap in the face. And if you're a learned person, then you're basically ignoring all of history up until this point and how that one figure could could make another person feel. Uh, yeah i i i I don't um you know if you I, i i i even if you wanted to say like there's a common ground where you don't like destroy these statues but you you take them somewhere to like uh i don't know maybe you go like put a museum up somewhere that isn't in the south or something where it's like here are the people that fought and maybe they have a cool story, right? Maybe they did some like really heroic shit in the war or something like that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, 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 I want to like stop short of just saying like, like all of these people and their history because it's racist, because it had tremendous racist undertones that it's, that it, you know, that we should just like remove it all from them completely Mm. Um, but don't I? I do think it's a terrible idea to just put in our faces in the public like that.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's tough, man. It's tough. I just when I compare it to Nazi Germany, it's just like, yeah, get those, get that shit out of here, because that's how I. If I was a, if I was a black person, that's exactly how I'd feel every time I see that flag. Um, I saw another thing too that said like. many many people like are their names like think of people you know with the last name Washington or Jefferson Mm. or Madison and like most of these people are black people because that's who their slave owners were of their ancestors and that's how you got your last name and it's like it's fucked up that like you're almost reminded of that every day by who you are not who you are but what your name is but like let alone that and then you go and you see these people standing behind this flag it's kind of just like how are you supposed to tell anyone? It's like everyone's country. If that's cool, if like that's allowed. Like yeah. we won that war. That happened like three hundred years ago. We won. It's it's over. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It's 100%, hard.
0: hundred percent. I I agree with you a hundred percent. Um, you know, it's like, how do you how do you how do you juxtapose that with anybody else who was, you know, a slave owner or was in favor of. Uh, segregation, or who voted for Jim Crow, or was on the side of, um, you know, anything that had to do with marginalizing black people in this country, how can can you sit here and say, well, maybe we should celebrate those people? Well, I, I think you can be a little bit subjective when it's like, well, okay, you know, maybe our founding fathers weren't this shining beacon of morality in that they owned as slaves, that there were people who were not free under them while they were fighting for freedom, right? Like that is uh, incredibly, you know, hypocritical uh, juxtaposition there. Um, but I think you can view it also in like an incredibly positive light too. It's like, look at these ordinary people who are exceptionally flawed and did exceptional things. It's like, that's you and I.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Like that's you and I, and I agree with you. Like if, if it were, you know, something in the South where they lost and I don't know, I don't know. Cause it's tough with them because it's like, if you, you lose a war, it's, it's never good for the people that lose. It's always a tough thing for your pride to swallow. And you're not just going to like lay down and take it Right, I mean that's the entire like talking about Hitler. That's that's the only reason that that Germany began their reign of terror in World War II is because they were so badly humiliated after World War One. I mean it was a nation that was Mm. like they literally took shit and just smeared it all over their faces. Just here you go, eat it, assholes, eat this shit, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it for 20 years, eat it, and they didn't like it, and so they took you know, so it's like I think you gotta just. Look at it all in context, and then recognize that you are also a flawed person, capable of very exceptional things.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's beautifully put, and I, I think like it does us not much good to dwell on it, but to to look at it, to learn about it, and learn from it, and, and go forward and change. You know what will someday be history in the future. <laughs> you know, like let's. It's mm-hmm. up to us and our the people here now to to right those wrongs and to try to set us on the right path so i i don't know if tearing everything down you know is, is the answer I, I think learning from and and taking that into your every day is is the best thing that we can all do Here here and once again thank you carol delaney for coming and talking to us
0: Absolutely. I uh, hope this is uh, one of many uh, interviews where we can interject some thought-provoking ideas into the, uh, into the world and um, maybe get you to think about things in a slightly different view. And until that time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.